Right, well, we're going to try something different for this episode. There definitely is a lack of education. And I think that lack of education needs fixing. Influencers and celebrities, you'd think that loads of people can afford all these items, but in reality, it's borrowed or given to them for free. Have you ever seen these buy now, pay later schemes and what's your opinion of them? If you don't know that you've got a job secure, then you might not be able to pay these debts back. But for some people, it's the easiest thing to do, it's the best thing to do. Depends on the person and make sure you've got that security. Most of my stuff I've paid off and then like it's good for Christmas, I, I think. It's good for some people who have not got enough money right then, but they can pay for it in instalments. I just think it's brilliant that you bought a barbecue cleaner that didn't come. Even some grown-ups make mistakes sometimes, innit? I love being patronised by teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> we have to big up the young people. <laughs> Hello, I'm Anthony Morrow, and welcome to the Get On The Money podcast, where I give you those money lessons you never got to have at school. Throughout this podcast series, you've mainly heard from young people in their 20s, talking about their relationship with money. In this last episode of the first series of Get On The Money, I'm handing over to the young people themselves to have a conversation. How confident do they feel talking about or managing their money? And what more needs to be done to make sure that everyone has access to understanding money better? You'll hear all of this and more in this episode. I'm recording this at NQ House in Manchester, which is a new recording studio. It's where musicians like the rapper H record. I've also got four fantastic young people with me who are going to tell you their thoughts about money. They're all aged between 16 and 18, so they really are the future. But first... Let me introduce you to Liam Scholes, who's going to be taking over as host for this episode. Liam, thanks for doing this. No worries. Before we get started on the big chat, just tell us a bit about yourself. What are you up to? Everything. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm Liam, 18, Mancunian lad. Um, but I'm studying in uni and I work as an actor and part-time in a hotel. So, yeah, I'm quite a busy person. An actor? Yes. Anything we might know you from? Well, potentially. There's a recently Coronation Street, which I've just done, where I played oh, a not-so-nice character, uh, and Peaky Blinders That as must well. have been difficult for you to play a not-so-nice character. Well, I'm a bit of a clown, do you get what I mean, in real life? But <laughs> when you get there in your head that you're a horrible person, you become a horrible person, so it was all right, it's quite fun. And Peaky Blinders, that must have been really exciting. It was mega. See, I'm a fanboy, I'm a bit of a fan of the show, way before I used to sit and watch it all the time, so like, being given that opportunity was brilliant. And do you wear the flat cap outside of work? All the time. I don't take it off. <laughs> and how did you get into acting? Uh, me? Well, originally, I had like no interest at all in acting. I thought, nah, it's not for me. Stick with the football. And then it was my older sister that did it. She was there, and then one day, she, she acted for Larry Theatre, and then one day there was an email about Boys Workshop. I went to this workshop, and it turns out it was an audition for Lord of the Flies, and then I got a phone call saying that I was through to the final casting, and then on my 11th birthday... I went and I got casting Lord of the Flies at Lowry, so from nowhere it sort of happened and I've like sparked this love and interest for doing the whole shebang. Brilliant. Uh, this podcast's obviously about money. Uh, how would you describe your relationship with money? Dangerous. <laughs> That's an interesting word. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I'd, I'd say per, like I'm a, I think you'd have a, a spender or a saver and you want like you'd have a, one of each or you both. I'd say I'm both personally. Like I save a bit. I do like me pretty green, so I do also spend a little bit as well. 
and where did you learn about money then? Did it was it your parents or you know just through at school? It was it was always come from from home. I think where it was always about you know paying your way of it. You've always, so that, that like prepared me for for like after leaving home and leaving education and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I've got I've got to credit my nan to be honest. She could be the chancellor of the exchequer. Like she literally bang on with money about saving and everything like that. Like that's how I was able to afford like my car now and everything like that through her, her little lessons about saving money. Nans are great. Oh, they're mint. <laughs> um, well, we've spoken to lots of young people over this podcast series, and one of the recurring issues is the fact that there isn't enough places for people to learn about money, young people about money, and they can come into get themselves into lots of trouble quite quickly with regards to debt and things like that that could take years to sort out. What do you think, what more could be done to help that? I mean, I completely agree. I think at the minute there is like, a, for younger people, there's a lack of education. But I do think younger people nowadays are a lot more confident with money. But I think with that confidence comes a little bit of naivety. And I think that with the right education in schools and stuff like that, we're going to have a generation of millionaires here, I'm telling you. Well, that's great. That, that we'll be on it with money, this generation. <laughs> well, that's great to hear. So, Liam, you've kindly agreed to take over the role of host for this episode. So, over to you. Thank you very much, Anthony. And thanks for giving us the chance to, you know, come and talk about someone that's not always discussed that much with young people. Um, so, yeah, we joined today with four mint young people. They're all mega. It's got Harrison, Sam, Shania and Anne. Um, and, yeah, so, Shania, you're studying and working part-time. Sam, Harrison and Anne, you're still, like studying aren't you but we do have Anne who's got her own little business going on so we will hear about that so to all of you who taught you about money Harrison to you who taught you about money man yeah that, that's uh, that's got to be my parents definitely I mean uh, not really much at, at college and uh, high school I feel like there's a big gap there that, that definitely needs to be filled and um, luckily my, my dad knows a, a bit about money He's, he, he runs a bit of a business and He's basically taught me everything I know. Sam, what about you, man? I personally say I taught myself um, with a little bit of information from my parents too because I started working from a younger age, from the age of 13, DJing for myself. I was getting that money in and I sort of had it and I was like, oh, I can go and spend it everywhere. I sort of taught myself to not do that, to save up, save up and sp- spend on a bigger thing, a nicer thing. And I suppose it, overall I've taught myself how to spend money well. Um, but from my parents and my dad as well, both of them, um, they, they have really helped me learn about money and get me where I am today, saving up and buying nice things, yeah. Brilliant, good on you. Now we'll go to Shania. Pretty much the same, really. I've really just re- like picked it up from myself because I've only just started work, but I had another job before it where I used to get like pocket money and stuff off my mum, so I'd learn how to spend it and save it and buy like money tins and stuff and buy my own, like, clothes, because I've been very independent from little, so I've just really learned how to spend my money, like, in different ways, and save it. Brilliant, and Anne? Um, definitely, definitely from my parents, more like a telling off when they see my bank balance at the end of the month, and also from my um, business, I learned how to, like, profits and stuff, so I didn't really need to save when I'm, like, buying more supplies. That's brilliant. Obviously, there we see we've got a, a DJ, a business owner, like, and two people who are very independent with money, so that's all right. So, Anne, it's mega interesting that you say you've got your business. What What is the business and what is it that you're doing? 
My business is called Anne's Jewels and I make jewellery like necklaces and earrings and they're also personalised. Brilliant. And how confident would you say you are with money as a young person? Out of ten, I would say seven. Still got a lot to work on. Brilliant. Shania, same question to you about confidence with money. A bit confident. Like I gra- I'm gradually saving each week. I end up with more money than I did last week, like the, f- the following week, because I'm not buying as much stuff or looking for cheaper versions of the stuff that I'm getting or just not spending as much money, basically budgeting myself. Um, currently open like a savings account, so saving money that, that way, saving up for like holidays and stuff, so just taking it as it comes, really. Brilliant. And Sam, a little bit different on this question. How do you feel about talking about money? Yeah, um, I, I quite like talking about money, especially to my parents. I, I see money myself as like a game. I get my calculator app out at night and I'm like, right, what can I spend today? What can I spend next week? And because I'm quite good at maths as well, it, it, I don't know, I find it satisfying, like going on my banking app, like what, what have I got in this week? And I like talking about that to my parents about, you know, this is what I'm buying. This is what I'm saving. Here, here's £100, save that for that, you know. And I do quite like talking about money to people, especially in helping other people save up, helping people get jobs. I'm a helper. <laughs> That's what, yeah. It's the best way to be, I think. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And uh, Harrison, to you, same again about talking about money. How confident are we? Yeah, yeah, all right. I mean, to be honest, I, d- I don't actually spend that much. I'm probably, I'm one of these that just sort of holds it and holds it and holds it and doesn't do anything with it. And my dad's like, oh, come on, you, you, need, to, you need to invest it or you need to do something that will really help you. But um, yeah, at the moment, just sort of money sitting in the, sitting in the bank account. But, I, you know, I, I'm comfortable with talking about it. Well, I think it's absolutely mega, you know, there, guys, speaking about money and especially how confident everyone is. So, Anthony, bringing you back in the room there, what do you think about, like, that conversation and sort of working in the finance industry? How do you think, like, attitudes have changed over the years, like, with young people? Yeah, well, I think uh, that's fantastic. What's just been said there and how people have described their relationships with money, the fact that saving is at the forefront of it, uh, is is really great to hear, and actually is consistent with what we've heard throughout the throughout this podcast, um, which is that actually young people, far from how they're often portrayed, you know, in in the media, being you know sort of reckless with money and things like that, very much very much different. And actually, you know, if we're thinking about how relationships and uh, behaviors and attitudes to money's changed over over the recent years. Then, then I think th- there's two things that have happened. One, I think we've become much more material in terms of how we judge success or how we view people as being successful tends to be around what they've got or what we what we what we have. Which is, I mean, it's always been there, but I think with the with social media, it's it's constantly there. Then you know, and you, there's almost there's almost this setting of a you know, where you need to be to be considered successful. And this has come also at a time where it's incredibly easy to take out debt. So actually people are buying things where, you know, with other people's money effectively and getting themselves into debt. It's never been easier, I don't think, to to buy things with money you haven't with you haven't got. So actually hearing young people say where we're saving, and actually I don't really like debt, and I'm quite happy to save up for things, 
is really refreshing because that's a positive change from perhaps where we've been over the last 20 years. I mean, a really, a really good example would be the rise of buy now, pay later schemes that are on almost all you know, websites, where, you know, shopping websites. They form part of the actual journey. And before you know it, you know, you've borrowed something without really knowing what you're doing, apart from thinking, well, I was going to spend 80 quid, but now I can actually spend 30 quid you know, and spread it out over the pay. In fact, and what these companies use that for is you know, to actually encourage you to spend even more. So another topic that I know Anthony's very passionate about is the buy now, pay later schemes and you know, you see when you're buying something online, well, I do, and it asks you, like, do you want to pay, like, in three instalments for this item and things like that? There's quite a few of them around nowadays, and we won't single anyone out, but just in general. So to, to you guys again, we'll go to Sam first. Um, like, have you ever seen these buy now, pay later schemes, and what's your opinion of them? I have, I have seen them, and I have used one myself in the past. Um, I believe it's good for people who know and they're strict to themselves that they're going to pay it off. I mean, the thing I used it for was only a, a, a cheap thing. It was only, I think it was £150. Cheap? <laughs> it was like um, four four monthly payments and I did pay it off. That's the only sort of finance I've ever used in my life, including my parents. We've never really used finance for anything. Yeah. And I know a lot of people see buy now, pay later schemes as not being finance, just being... Um, that little helping hand at the checkout. But in fact, if you don't do it well enough, you can get yourself into a lot of trouble, get yourself into a lot of debt. Um, so I've personally used one once, and I used to work for a local business um, around where I live, and we introduced that onto their website because it, it's what's happening nowadays. A lot of people are using them. It attracts a lot more people to purchase, and that's what the companies want, don't they? So I do believe the, uh, the things that you need to be careful with if you are using them. Brilliant. And Anne, what's your opinions of it? You're the business owner yourself, so mm-hmm. what's, do you agree? Do you not agree? I do agree, like Sam said, that if you're certain that you will be able to pay it off in the end, then it's fine. But like sometimes you can get away with it and just keep on doing it and doing it and then it just builds up and then that, and then it's just a problem. It does, and Shania will go to you. I currently use it at the moment and I think it's quite good because obviously I earn enough a week to pay it off and sometimes I pay it off early so it's not like effective the following week I've used it for that long now I gain rewards on it so I don't have to pay nothing up front anymore and I can change my payment date which suits me so it's easier for me to um, pay or I get like discounts and stuff off certain things so I think it's quite useful but sometimes it can get a bit out of hand like you can think oh yeah I'm gonna get this this and this and then end up oh I can't pay for it I've not got enough money to pay for it so sometimes it can be good or sometimes it can be like pretty like a bit iffy with it but I think it's all right. Shania on that do you reckon that it makes you buy more stuff if you think yeah I can have it this week and sometimes week? yeah like but I look at it first and think will I be able to pay that will I have enough to pay it and then if I've not then I don't get it but most of my stuff I've paid off and then like it's good for Christmas I, I think but it's good for some people who have not got enough money right then, but they can pay for it in instalments. So, brilliant. And Harrison, to you just quickly your opinions on buy now pay later schemes. 
I think especially in sort of current circumstances with the pandemic and everything, you know, jo- jobs are on the line and, and things are a bit more unpredictable. And I think that it's when unpredictability happens that schemes like this can cause problems. You know, if you don't know that you've got a job um, secure, that then you might not be able to pay these debts back far into the future like many of these debts go, which which can cause issues. But for some people, it it's the easiest thing to do. It's the best thing to do. But just definitely depends on the person and be careful. Uh, make sure you've you know you've got that security. Look at out, we've got a money teacher. Eh? He's giving life lessons. He's brilliant. Um, and Sam, for this one, I'm actually going to come back to you because I know you mentioned about a business yes. that you said, and you it was put on the website. So yes, I just want to ask you, like, what do you think about how they advertise? Because we've had a conversation then, and I think for younger people, it's seeming that for us guys, it seems quite a positive thing that, you know, you can pay it off. So how? what do you think about how it's being advertised, given that you've put it on a website yourself? I think it is being advertised well and in a modern way to make people use it. It's It doesn't appear as being financed until you look in the, the terms and conditions and you look at the small print. It just looks like you can pay monthly for it. And sometimes they don't even bring up the APR rates. You think, oh, it's just free, you know. They're letting me pay off for four months, but in fact, it's actually not. Um, and the local business, which I put it on their website, I actually made the website myself. And it was my decision and the owner's decision to put it on there. Um, and it's just, in a way, we did it to help customers, not to gain anything from it, because you don't gain anything from it. But we used it to help customers, and I think it, it went well. You know, it's it's not a decision whether they use it or not. It's totally up to them. But I think it is. they are good schemes. I think people can use them. People, if they want to pay off monthly rather than in one payment, it's helpful for them. Or if they get paid monthly, like you said, it's, you know, it can be helpful. But I think just be tricky with them, you know. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we, we've all spoke quite a, a positive type of vibe about them. About Now, my views, I think, are similar to Anthony's. I don't necessarily agree with them because of the repercussions. But how well do, do you guys sort of understand the repercussions of, let's say, if you miss one of the payments, because we, we've all spoke quite a lot about paying it and paying it because I can pay it in a week, but what happens if you don't? So, Shania, I'll go to you. What happens if you don't? I did it once um, where I think like I missed one day um, and your credit score that's on the actual website because you can spend a certain amount, it goes down because obviously you've not paid that debt on time, but if you pay it, it goes, it goes back up. But if it was like a proper... Thing you could go into debt and you could be like they could have a higher bill on it they could they had i think you had like six pound more onto your original bill so in a way it could be bad people can forget and lose track of what they need to pay and that's why you shouldn't buy too much at one at one point brilliant and then anthony i'll come back to you because i know you are mega passionate about this topic so you know it'd be great to jump you in and like ask you why why is this topic so important to yourself i'm old enough to remember lots of different types of debt that yes. has come about come out from credit cards through to payday lenders that all come out as having and are promoted as being really beneficial and helping people to buy things that they can't afford or they want to spread the payments off and without any exception that it always ends up you know, there's always bad stories that come out of it. And buy now, pay later is just another version of, you know, payday lenders or something like that that's coming up. But promoted 
in a way that I think is pretty pretty dangerous in terms of how how it how it's there. Any debt isn't a problem as long as you're comfortable that you can pay it off at any point. So if you are literally using it as a as a way to instead of paying, you've got the hundred pounds, you want to buy something for hundred pounds, but you can spread that over three months, then that's fine. The problem comes where you've got £30 and you want to buy something for £100 for 30 quid a month. And then you're, you're in debt then because you've got those two payments. And we've done a load of research on this to, sh- to show that, you know, a staggeringly high percentage of people worry about how they're going to pay these things off once they've got the, once they've got the goods. Is. And then, you know, as Harrison was saying... Add into that the fact that we've got a, you know, we're coming out of a pandemic and job security and, you know, costs and, and, and money is going to become, you know, quite tough. Then it's a really, it's, a, it's one of those environments where we can easily find ourselves, you know, getting, getting into trouble with debt. And the problem with debt, when you do get into trouble, is it can take years to sort it out for, you know, credit scores and things like that when you're wanting to, to buy things in the future. If you have a bad credit score... There's no quick solution to it. So you can get into debt in the second, and but it can take years to sort it out. So I just don't think we need to be encouraging more people to take debt out. Uh, Anthony, just because I'm quite interested to find out, because I know we spoke about the advertisement of it all. W- would you say from a sort of business type of mind, it, it targets younger people nowadays, these buy now, pay later schemes? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's really clear just by the imagery, by the design and the creativity that are on a lot of these adverts, what part of the population it's aimed at. And what you need to remember is that these businesses, one of their big selling points isn't to the benefits to the customer, it's to the benefits to the retailer, because they can point to increase in amount of money someone will spend at the basket when they're presented so they could turn up saying i want to buy this but get to the basket realize that they've actually got more money to spend on that day and go back and buy more stuff than they actually intended to yeah. you know which is great for the retailer but you can see how that could easily become a become a problem it can and that problem is debt as we spoke about it is so if as a younger person or any age of person and you you're in a position where you have to take it on like a buy now pay later scheme and you're going to sort of take it out with the thing possibility of debt what's the best way to go about that debt well i think i think there's always going to be circumstances where you know an emergency so your car breaks down and you need it to get to work or you know an appliance breaks at home or or something like that where you know, you're going to have to borrow and therefore you've just got to go and, uh, and try and get the, the, the best one possible. Cli- you know, where you're borrowing money to buy something that might be termed a luxury item or something, then try and see whether or not you can just save up for it. Because one, you'll avoid getting into debt and two, you'll feel really good about yourself, the fact that you've done that. If you do have to get into debt, then the really important thing is to make sure you know you can afford you can afford the repayment because the last thing you need to do is take out debt knowing you're going to struggle to repay it because that, you know, that can unravel pretty quickly. And when you do get into 
problems, if you do get into problems rather, and I say this to everyone, the first thing you must do is speak to whoever it is you owe the money to because real problems happen when you try and put your head in the sand. You know, speak to them. They'll generally be sympathetic. Um, and, you know, these things happen. These things do happen. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I've cer- certainly learned a little bit there about if I ever get in debt, how to be safe about it and get out of it. Now, sort of moving on, another one of the subjects that Anthony really what he does guys to talk about was about housing whether or not young people feel like they can actually get on the housing ladder or if it's something that we're even interested in anymore so we'll go around again we'll try and mix the order up this time let's find out from you guys uh, what do you think about house buying and is it something that you reckon will happen in the future harrison well i mean to be honest the 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 housing ladder is 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 something which is getting harder and harder to get onto it's especially for young people, you know, you go to university, many people go to university, suffer a load of debt, and then they have to take on more debt just to try and, you know, have a place to live. Um, Again, through the pandemic, prices are are skyrocketing on on the housing market, especially uh, places outside of cities as well. Um, And those those prices and the increase in gas bills is not helping anyone. And and young people who are already struggling to get on the the market are are certainly going to struggle to get on it now. Brilliant, great views there. And then, Anne, I will come to you. You know, we've got a successful business owner here, so what's your sort of agenda for housing and things like that? Well, I also agree with Harrison. It is becoming harder. If you compare the prices to houses from now to, like, the 90s, it's um, definitely increased a lot. And I'm guessing also the job market, like Harrison said, has um, become much, much harder. And the competition has increased for salaries as well. Shania, your sort of opinions on the property ladder, like how, how do you think it's accessible nowadays for younger people to get on the property ladder even? Most young people don't know what bigger opportunity like, or what other ways to get housings are out there. Like there's there's things that are not um there's stuff available what people don't know about. Like, like obviously there is like some people could be homeless or some people could find it harder to get a house because if you've not got a job or like if you d- you don't know, then you can't get a house. You can't get a house. So there's a lot of stuff that you need step by step to get a house. But I think it is harder now because obviously with the pandemic and stuff, there's a lot of prices sky rising and like less opportunities and not as much room or space for houses or people and stuff like that. So it's, it's a bit hard. So Shania, I can see you're quite passionate there with your views about housing and sort of the different ways there is. So like. How is it you feel about everything you've just mentioned? I think I think some of it's quite shocking how there's opportunities for other people, but not as many for less fortunate people. There's more options for people with more money or more jobs or whatever, but there's not as much for people less fortunate than, than others. So I think it's pretty like shocking and it's changing. It's very true. And sort of, Sam, I'll come to you off the back of... Uh, Shania's sort of points and everything. Do you think what with what Shania said and what the other guys have said? Do you think there's a lack of education in terms of them opportunities and stuff like that? And what's your views on housing? Yeah, there definitely is a lack of education. Even now in college, there's not been one lesson where we've been taught about how to get on the money ladder, renting, mortgages, deposits. None of that has ever been spoke of. That's purely come from me researching, speaking to my parents. 
And I think that lack of education needs fixing because the modern day, more people now are moving out earlier, moving out in the teenage years, which, you know, 18, 19, when people in the past probably didn't, probably stayed with the houses longer. Uh, so I think that education does need improving. And in terms of getting on the property ladder, I think there's a lot more ways nowadays in terms of renting, but you do still need the initial deposit. And people don't know that. Like, for example, people may only just start, you know, saving up for a deposit at the age of 21, 22, where they could have been doing it many years before and they didn't have the education to know that. So I think it does need improving, taught about in schools, added, you know, a bit more of the curriculum for life, talked about on there. But overall, my personal views on it, I would begin saving up ASAP as soon as I get a full-paid job, just putting a bit away every month for that deposit, and then as soon as I can, get on the property ladder rather than going through the renting straight onto the mortgage ladder. I, I just think that's the best way to do it if you can, which a lot of people can't, and more things need to be in place, I think, yeah. Wicked. And just on that, Anthony, I'll bring you in again. Um, it was just mentioned about renting and buying and stuff like that. So, so what do you think about the whole problem of housing for young people and sort of advice on either renting or buying and what you'd suggest? Yeah, well, I think the housing market is a massive, a massive problem and one that really needs fixing. It's been allowed to sort of run out of control for a, a number of decades. And, and, we're, you know, and this is where we end up with the fact that we'll have a huge swathe of people who simply can't afford to get get on the houses and the pandemic's going to make that even worse and the the current plan is to simply build more houses and i think that's just a fanciful idea that that's that's going to happen personally my view is that we need to look a bit like towards europe or or you know outside of the uk where where renting is is almost seen as the preferred route yeah. and um, and to do that, what you need to do is make renting not feel as though it's you know a second class option, and actually make the rental market a lot tighter. So at the moment, you know you've got all sorts. It's like the wild west with some landlords in terms of what what the rules they are. But if you make renting more attractive, along with some sort of you're going to need to have some sort of government interaction regarding rental rate uh, caps and things like that then that is a way in which you can get younger people actually in a property even if they don't own it but i think the idea that we can carry on as we have done in the 80s and 90s that every person needs to own a property to be seen as being making it forward that's just not you know it's really difficult to see how that's ever going to be you know achievable for all but those people who perhaps have got wealthy parents and can give them a deposit, you know, which which is the few. Just to switch the topic of what I sort of think is mega important nowadays is social media with money. Because I think it was mentioned by Anthony at the very beginning about the way that sort of money's viewed. And I think there's a lot of influence nowadays where you sort of seeing how successful you are with, is with things to do with what sort of handbags you wear and what clothes mm. you wear and the sort of assets you have to your name. And, you know, nowadays we see these influencers talking about the investments and things like that and talking about cryptocurrency, which is like skyrocketed from nowhere. Everyone's on the Bitcoin nowadays. So you guys, again, what's your views? And we'll go to Anne first. What's your views on that? Oh, cryptocurrency. I don't know much about, but I know it's about the Bitcoins. And um, it seems a bit sketchy. A bit sketchy. A bit sketchy. 
Well, we'll take that as a good description. Just on that, now I'm not too sure who you follow on your Instagram and everything like that, but have you had experiences with seeing sort of influencers and people like that sort of influence on investment schemes, Bitcoin or making you spend some money? I don't really follow like in people who mainly target investments, but I'd say like influencers and like celebrities, like all the clothing that they wear and what they promote and like sponsorships as well. You'd think that loads of people can afford all these items, but really it's just like they're buying it and then they're returning it probably the next day or the company's giving it for free. I think it really, um, it can give a bad influence on like young people that everybody's just getting all this money, but in reality it's just borrowed or given to them for free. Um, so just quickly to hop back on the idea of cryptocurrency and things like that, Shania, yourself, have you ever had any experiences or know of people that promote the like cryptocurrency and the use of it? I've seen like people on like Snapchat and stuff like posting it, like saying um, like with like bank cards and and stuff um, with the crypto, and then with Bitcoin, like they say, oh, if you you've got this bank, you can make money, but literally it can come as fraud and everything, and like you could be in debt and everything all leads to it. But I just think it's dodgy. It's just it's not it's not really very good and you could get in probably a lot of trouble for doing it or some people have certain ways of doing it or whatever but that's them and and nah I don't see I only have a little bit of knowledge of bitcoin and it's from someone that I know and I never knew how time consuming that it was like you've got to put a lot of effort into looking at your stocks and your shares and everything like that um right Harrison we'll come to you now on the same sort of similar topic about the temptations and pressure of social media and buying What's your views and have you ever bought anything off Instagram? No, I, you know what? Surprisingly, I haven't. Um, t- to be fair, I'm, I'm someone who I, I quite like to go around a charity shop. I like to go somewhere physical. I like to look around and, and, and see where can I buy something a bit out there, something a bit, you know, you know a bit different. But um, maybe that's just me. Maybe I am different. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's all it is. But um, but de- de- I know there's a lot. There is a lot of pressure out there, and and I have felt it. I haven't quite gone there, but I have felt it. Uh, and even from you know, uh, the sort of superstar monopoly men like uh, Elon Musk who are promoting all sorts of stuff and Jeff Bezos and, you know, you know they, they put pressure on you to, to try and buy, you know, things that they'll profit from and you'll probably uh, be worse off from. Brilliant. You can never knock a charity shop, can you? I mean, I've only ever bought one thing off Instagram and it was a jumper from a company called Big Wild Thought and it was of an elephant and he said that money goes to the elephants and whether that money went to the elephant... Uh, Elephants or not, I'll never know, but I like elephants, so that's where that jumper went. Uh, Sam, quickly to you. Similar question to Harrison. What's your sort of opinion on influencers and the pressures on buying what they promote? I think influencers are becoming um, a modern marketing tool for many businesses. Like they're not using billboards and bus stop signs like anymore. They're using influencers. They're, they're hiring people to promote the products, post advertisements, and I think you know, they, they can be useful. A lot of people see them. You know, the amount of people who use Instagram, Facebook, all them people seeing these adverts, and they do work. Like, personally, I have bought many things from adverts, not because I've seen it advertised, but in the same way, because it's there in front of me. I thought, oh, I like that. I'm just going to order that. Whereas if that advert wasn't there, I may have not ordered it. I may have not even known that product was available. 
But I think if they didn't post the adverts or have influences, it would be in front of me anyway through other ways. For example, on the television or billboards. But I think with Instagram and Facebook, it's a, become a lot more forefront. A lot more people having to buy products like this because they see them and they think, oh, I want that. And that's when I get my uh, my trusty calculator app out and <laughs> see if I can afford it that month. And yeah, I do I do buy things from Instagram. Have they always come as what you bought? Or have you ever like <laughs> bought a car and a horse has showed up on the driveway? Like? Uh, I know. Um, to be honest, yeah, they always have. But that's just because I look into the brands before I do buy them. You and don't I buy only them on Wish? No, no, <laughs> no, honestly, no. Um, I, do, I do look into the brands, make sure they're reputable, go on TripAdvisor, Trustpilot, not TripAdvisor, <laughs> just make sure they're real. And the businesses what I do buy off are usually businesses that I follow anyway, rather than ones that are being posted in front of me and I've never heard of before. So luckily everything has come to my standards before. But I am aware of people as well who's bought off sites like you mentioned, Wish, AliExpress, places like that, just to name a few, and they haven't come or they, they took two months to come. Um, and they are advertised a lot on social media. I just think you need to be careful with what you're buying. Brilliant. And, you know, we, we've sort of spoke about buying things like Anthony, I'm going to hop you back in now. What do you make of all of this? And I, I just want to ask as well, like, because we've all spoke about buying and stuff like that. What advice would you offer for if, we, if younger people aren't sure about what they're buying and that? What advice would you give for that? Well, I think from what's been said here then I'm the person who needs advice because I am <laughs> shocking uh, Instagram buying. I, yeah, I get so many things seen, some incredible things I've bought that turn up and don't do anything like the video. <laughs> I remember there were one particular one during lockdown was this all-purpose rapid barbecue cleaning single <laughs> steamer. Then I'm not <laughs> and on, the, on the video of the Instagram, it was like, wow, that is, I absolutely need that in my life. And it turned up and it just didn't work. And then it came from, yeah, it took years to come. But uh, in all seriousness, so I think what Sam was saying there, you know, social media now, you know, is a key part of businesses advertising. And we're talking multi-billion dollar uh, advertising budgets here, all wanting to compete in a really busy timeline. You've got lots of things there. So they're having to do more more ways to try and attract your attention and that's you know influences is a is a key one you know you can see that just in terms of the money that some of these influencers make now in convincing you to buy something that will make you feel like them it's like anything it's like you've got to balance the risks that you're buying something that you're not you've not seen until it arrives and goes back to what we're saying on the debts thing is do you really need it you you know it's those impulse purchases of something that goes oh they'll look good on me and then they turn up and they really don't so that's what i'd say just just always think do i need this and just scroll up i mean i just think it's brilliant that you bought a all-purpose barbecue cleaner that didn't come well it certainly didn't work as effectively as it did for the man in the video <laughs> but i think it, it does show that obviously you're very educated on the matter of money and stuff like that. But it does show that even some grown-ups make mistakes sometimes, isn't it? Do you know what oh, I mean? That we can all buy something dodgy in our lifetime. It's not the be-all and the end-all, but that's incredible. just got to roll with it, isn't it? That's I love being patronised by teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get the dig in there. We have to big up the young people. <laughs> okay, so I think we're coming to an end there. That's been a fantastic podcast, that. I think you know it's really encouraging to hear such great 
views and behaviours from, from young people with regards to money. Uh, big thank you to Liam for hosting. But before I let you go, yes. so one of the key things on this podcast is about learning about money in school. Now, I understand you did learn about money at school. We did, in particular gambling. Gambling. Can you share with us? Oh, I can do. It was a very unique lesson. Now, I don't know whether you guys have it, but we have like a, a super learning day we used to have. It was a day off timetable where they teach you about things. Now, I looked at mine, teach me about money. First thought was, I'm not doing a PE one. It's going to be boring. That day's going to be a bit dead. Anyway, gambling was the lesson in the afternoon. I thought, here we go. Chance me on a bit of poker or something. And I kid you not, in the hall of the school, they set up a casino. <laughs> and they gave us all chips. And we walked about, and the teachers were the, like, the cashier people who were playing the games with us. We were giving them our chips. And I had a mate who realised what was going on here and how people were hungry for their chips now. So we stole the box of chips. <laughs> and he sold them for a quid. And now, from that day, he was absolutely minted because people wanted to be seen with the most... And I saw it brings us back to that asset thing. People wanted to be seen with the most amount of chips that he was earning a fortune. He was raking it in. Everyone paying a quid, a chip. He had quids in here. He stole the box. It don't matter to him. And then at the end of the lesson, we all had to give the chips back in. We had to hand them in. <laughs> and he had all the money. <laughs> so, basically, he earned a fortune. And that was my little lesson in gambling where he literally played the casino that was set up. So, I... <laughs> Fantastic entrepreneurship there, I think. It's brilliant. <laughs> thanks, Liam. Uh, and a big thanks to Anne, Shania, H, Harrison <laughs> and Sam for joining us today. You've been really, really great. So that's it for this series of the Get On The Money podcast. Thank you for listening. So that's it for the first series of the Get On The Money podcast. I've had fantastic fun speaking to some really interesting people about money. Remember, listen to previous episodes to hear me run through my financial survival toolkit. You'll get an insight into everything from budgeting and saving to mortgages and renting, interest and tax. You'll also get to hear some of the good and bad habits that real people have when it comes to dealing with money. You'll hear more from Get On The Money in the new year. In the meantime, remember to rate, review and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks and see you soon.